0: This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, and welcome to the latest Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Joe Rimmer. I'm joined by Paul Gorst and Kiefer MacDonald to talk all things Liverpool today and mostly transfers. Lads, how are we? Gorsty, you okay?
1: Yeah, all good. Just saying, wasn't I I off air? We're in the middle of the the dead zone now when not a lot's happening and we're still trying to see what Liverpool are doing, transfer-wise. We were all. It's going to be a busy June. It started busy enough. Uh, now we'll see if the rest of the month follows suit. So it's going to be an interesting few weeks when it normally probably wouldn't be.
0: Yeah, Kiefer, how are you? you keeping yourself busy?
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, hoping a, a few more signings can follow through. Obviously, you got McAllister done last week. Um, and as, as Gorsley said, it's a bit of a weird period because you kind of have that not the hangover from the season, but you kind of dissecting, mm-hmm. you know, in the first couple of weeks. And then you're also kind of keeping an eye on pre-season and the plans are all kind of, Know, come to fruition hopefully so you know you're just kind of waiting for them and it's kind of kicking into place yeah june's that
0: month isn't it where you feel like you've still got one foot in last season and one foot in next season you don't is, is it last season or is it still well, she's,
1: season? The season technically only finished saturday yeah, didn't yeah. it at the Champions League final yeah. uh and then you see almost immediately pitches on the england official twitter account with yeah, yeah. you know Trent shows up and harry yeah. kane and whatever else so Never stops, does it, really? Football now, it's a 12-month cycle.
0: But it doesn't stop, Gorsi, and it certainly doesn't stop for Liverpool, who, like you say, had to start things quickly, didn't they, in the mm. transfer market. They've done that with Alexis McAllister, but um, they they continue their midfield session. And it seems the, the next two names that are constantly, we're constantly seeing linked with Liverpool are uh, Kevin Kephren mm. right? Turam, um, son of Lillian Turam, and uh, Manukone Kone um, of Neeson nice Gladbach. Respectively, um, they sort of make sense, do in terms of the profile of, of player Liverpool might try and sign next?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think McAllister is obviously the experienced Premier League proven midfielder, isn't he? 24 years of age, around about 200 professional appearances, Bell Cup winner, of course, and then maybe Liverpool looking to fall back on it. Slightly less experienced, more youthful profile. You know, um, Kevin Turam and Manukone, 22 and 21, respectively, I think. Mm-hmm. Ryan Gravenvert is another one who, who we know that admires of. He's 21, 22. So it does seem to be a little bit of a of a broad profile that's getting painted mm-hmm. at the moment. they are looking to bring in players who um, may be a little bit, you know, further behind in their overall football journey, if you like. Um but, it, it, I mean, I'm a little bit concerned that if that is to be the way Liverpool are looking at it. I think there's there's room to manoeuvre with young players coming in, but, mm-hmm. but Liverpool need instant results, don't you, from a wealthy side summer? I think they're pretty much guaranteed that from McAllister, given his, his pedigree. Um, but then you're asking a lot of a Taram and a Kone to come in and, and instantly be as good as they have been for much in back or... You know, niche and show the kind of form that's made to Rami, in particular France international. Um, mm-hmm. So while I can see why they're looking at players of this profile and Graham Birch, you know, kind of is included in that, I'd be a little bit wary of maybe still looking for an experienced player yeah. around about 23, 24, 25, the kind of ballpark figure that Liverpool tend to go to for a first-team arrival.
0: Yeah, I mean, is it is it a case course of just making your money, stretch at the mm. moment you know they've got McAllister by well by the sounds of things a very good deal 35 you know potentially a little bit more certainly with agent fees that sort of thing million but then if you get a tarama or a kone for around the same price you know that's two midfielders boxed off for not even the price of an enzo fernandez is, is yeah, that why yeah. we're seeing them linked with these types of players does it is it just one where they, they make sense
1: yeah possibly i think <clears throat> we look at liverpool's midfield options now there's too many who are at a certain part of their careers and not enough in the middle part um tiago's 32 is he john dennis will be 33 this month and then you've got harvey Elliott, Stephen seven Curtis jones who are all what 18 20 21 22. so i just i think personally they just they, they need another one who is about to approach his prime years, and mm-hmm. but I can see why you are looking at profiles like to and, and uh, Kone and grabbing Birch. Um, but the interesting thing is, is the wage the wages that they've yeah. from, yeah, Firmino, Oxley Chamberlain, Cater Milner. Um, that's somewhere in the region of half a million a week, yeah. Um, what's still gonna be on? I don't think it's, he's not gonna be well, he's not and what Salah's in, is he? I don't mm-hmm. possibly. A little bit further down that wage scale, so there is yeah. theoretically
0: at least money there for, yeah. for for big wages. Yeah, I mean, they there mentions given the, the age range of the team. You know, I look at the makeup of the team now, and you sort of look. You've got Fabinho, who will probably start the season. There's no one really like him in the full squad. Mm-hmm. McAllister, who probably is going to start the season as a starter. Is it then just about getting another midfielder or two of the midfielders? That sort of give you options, perhaps on the other side of the pitch with, with Henderson, Thiago, Bassettich when he's back fit, potentially Elliot going in there, Jones. I mean, they, they, is it just about again not just how, how far you can stretch your money, but the makeup of those three?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think you know, as Gorsi says, there the, the kind of the age profiles has been a big thing that's you know been earmarked last season. But I also think you know you look at the young players, you know, Curtis Jones maybe in the last part of the season, but I think Harvey Elliott played what. You know, over 40 games. I think it was up until that Chelsea game, yeah. he'd been involved in every single game. Yeah. And, you know, as a young player, you know, kind of earning his stripes in the Liverpool side, which, you know, is probably up there with certainly not last season, but, you know, in the kind of grand schemes of Liverpool's history, certainly up there is one of the best ever. Yeah. You know, I think uh, the, the best way to kind of do that and compete in all fronts is to be, you know, to have sustained spells in the side, but then also be afforded a break. And I think yeah. for too long last season, you know, whilst everything might have been, you know, really good, then, you know, he would have love to play himself in that maybe staff towards the back end of the season of that he played so much football mm. and far more than anyone would have predicted and then if you go to the other end you know same with milner obviously i think people call that his, a few of his performances last season but you know you think he signed that one-year deal and that was you know it's kind of almost like a, you know a guardian figure to the likes yeah. of elliot jones yeah. and cavalier and, and then you kind of got them well. You know they're not in their peak year so i think as as Gorsi said that's a that's a real issue for Liverpool to kind of address and with McAllister who's what 24 you know they've yeah. kind of done that um you know i'd probably liken it to kind of Fabinho when he came in and i know he took a bit of time to adapt in that first season but then you know from there on in, in those kind of three or four years after he was you know the linchpin of that side yeah. wasn't he you know one of you know so many key figures and and i think you know you only have to look at and i don't want to make it about City but you know you look at the side on Saturday night and kind of the options that City have you know in, in terms of youth and experience and you know won everything there is to win in kind of english and european well not european yet but you know english yeah. football um you know if you looking at that's liverpool's benchmarks ultimately get back to you know you are going to need players who you know not learning on the job but they can actually they've done the job you know other clubs or yeah. mm-hmm. and i think that's why the McAllister one is, is so important you know that he's come first because you know it does show that there there is that not that Liverpool would have lost its pull over after one bad season, yeah. but the fact that you can say, you know, this is what we're after—these kind of players, a World Cup winner—because yeah. um, that isn't something Liverpool have done too often. I think prior to McAllister, I think Jota was the last Premier League signing, yeah. kind of direct, which was what three years ago, which you know says an, says an awful lot in terms of where Liverpool are maybe doing their shopping, even when they have been at the top of English and and European football. But you know, maybe that kind of not less patient, more ruthless approach, but just kind of, you know, thinking of the here and now rather than three or four years down the line. You know, City are, are a juggernaut at the moment, and if, if that's what Liverpool want to stop and kind of want to get back to, you know, you, you know you've got to kind of think about the, the, the here and now rather than what's coming up in, in a few years' time. Keith,
0: I made a good point there. it I wrote down a single word, rotation. I mean, it, it just made me think, I mean, You'll remember during the Rafa Benitez era, yeah. he rotated all the time. That, I always remember he rotated for 99 games, didn't he? The Bordeaux game, kept the team the same, almost just to annoy people. But I remember at the time, it was like that, along with zonal marking, was like the yeah. only yeah. thing yeah, yeah. the pundits would discuss after a game. He rotates; he shouldn't rotate, he play the same team. But, but one thing that City do, and have done really well, and obviously they've got the players to do it, is they constantly rotate. And like Eva said, you have to now. Find a way of making rotation work for you because yeah. you've got to keep people fresh. Liverpool, you could argue, did rotate last season, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, this season, yeah. going into the new season, that's what they need to do. Don't they? They need the options to be able to do it for the right reasons.
1: Yeah, I mean Liverpool's rotation came from a manager just looking for the right blend yeah. more than anything, didn't it? I think certainly up front, Liverpool can can rotate yeah. Yeah. safe in the knowledge that if they bring out a. Cody Akpo through the middle, they can put Jota in there, or Luis Diaz comes out and Darwin Nunes can go wide left, or whatever it may be. I think the only fixed position on that front three is Mo Salah playing on the right, not least because he's Liverpool's best player, but also there's no one really comfortable enough to to fill that role when he drops out. But midfield-wise, the the rotation last season was basically because Liverpool were were struggling and and they either had injuries or loss of form. and, And... to, more often than not it was just the case of both. So um yeah it's I mean it's it's difficult because I think Liverpool first and foremost need to decide what's their best midfield and then rotate from a position of power knowing that,
0: But they did that in the end of the probably yeah, yeah. the best years yeah. you had one Alden Henderson for being young. That was the most their first choice, but then they bring Milner in. Yeah. They might play Oxide Chamberlain certain games Cain will come in. The, the back end of of. We called it last season. <laughs> yeah, the, I know. That's why yeah. I said huge confusion. Yeah.
1: The back, yeah. the back yeah. end of 21-22 20, yeah. when yeah. Liverpool were going for the quadruple, I think that was where the perfect rotation plans come yeah. into play. I think yeah. Klopp basically had everyone fit and he was leaving out more often than not four players from the squad. Usually Joe Gomez, usually Curtis Jones, maybe a couple of others, Oxlade Chamberlain. But he, he had everyone fit, didn't he? So he, he yeah. could do that rotation. um Whereas last season it was rotating because of injuries and because you've just been beat three in little walls or you've just been beat three or at Brentford, whatever it may be. Um but I think to begin with Liverpool need to figure out what is the best midfield for next season and then you can look to rotate once everyone's yeah um
0: got a bit more stable footing.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo
0: Yeah I mean the other thing about this these signings key for that i can't get out of my head is that let's say they sign to next um so they sign McAllister to then they, they're gonna have to sign someone english aren't they at some point or or certainly homegrown i should say so that might explain and we'll talk about center backs in a bit but might explain levi colt Col- 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 um, and then but it, it might mean that if they sign a third midfielder he's english now we've seen links with conor gallagher we know that was something they were looking at Obviously, Mason Mount, I think, would have would have ticked that box. And if they could have got him, um, I'm pretty sure they would have done. Um, does, do you think that once perhaps, let's say, a Taram is done or a Koday is done, do you think that we'll see those names revisited?
2: I mean, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think for, for so long of, of 2023, I, I think a lot of people would have expected, certainly in the early parts, Mason Mount to probably become a Liverpool player at some stage. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know I certainly did. Um, and obviously now that he you know looks like he's going to United and obviously his chances have now come to Liverpool appear pretty slim yeah. it's, it's difficult to kind of assess it because you know Liverpool aren't going to go out and, and pay over the odds for someone like Carlo Gallagher for 40-50 million because you know Liverpool yeah okay maybe Arthur Mello, but you know joining Klopp's tenure they, they don't panic by that they're no. happy, to, happy to wait and obviously I know the kind of English quota is a bit different in that sense of it, it puts extra pressure on you, you know a smaller squad and and we we know with the Europa League next season in terms of Thursday Sundays and that yeah. kind of ruthless schedule and if anything that's going to be amplified more you know for a smaller squad then then they would say they're playing in the Champions League but it is difficult and I suppose you say there yeah, with Levi Caldwell they they could maybe explore that you know they can explore that not getting Mason Mount in in kind of yeah. another sense whether that be you know if they were to get a right back or a left side of centre yeah. half or you know there is there is a way they can kind of make that English quota up but you know I think Obviously brighton was it 30 million they bid for colwell you know yeah. last week or something and that appears like you know that, that obviously was rejected and, and chelsea obviously holding out for for either a lot more money or they you know they're not going to sell um so that kind of tells you the kind of money chelsea you know will be looking yeah. at for someone who you know we're talking about magic kind of figures in in terms of you know uh, you know of course you said 200 appearances in, in top flight football or you know in a professional career i think you know, he was at Huddersfield the season before last was, and he? he got to the playoff final, and he, then he played at Brighton this year. So he's probably looking at 60, 70 appearances. So it's not like a, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge kind of sample yeah, size yeah. to kind of judge someone off mm-hmm. to go and spend, you know, 40, 50, 60 million. So, you know, whilst I, you know, you would love Liverpool to go and, you know, grasp an English you know player from somewhere. I just think the nature of the market these days, you've got to do it really astutely and, and going out and spending, you know, 60, 70 million, whatever Chelsea demand for Mason Mount, you know, we can get McAllister for, you know, 30, 40, for 50 million, whatever it ends up being is, you know, it's not something Liverpool are going to go down. But as I say, there's, there's ways you can explore that and maybe get around that. Yeah,
0: yeah. What,
1: what, go on, sorry, Gus. No, I was, I was just going to say, that kind of backs up your point you made earlier, keep where what you were saying. Liverpool haven't really utilised the English market in recent years because you're paying a premium mm. based on the fact that you play in England. You know, Levi Colwell, only played 16 times for Brighton last season, and... Chelsea rejecting 30 million for him. And I won't get me wrong, he's obviously a young player with massive potential and Liverpool are looking for that kind of left-sided centre-back, not necessarily going to take up the line share of the budget and someone with years and years to grow. You know, almost a bit of a Joe Gomez signing, if you like. But um, there are a lot of hoops to jump through for that signing because he's a Chelsea player. Brighton are desperately trying to make him their player. And I just think there might be too many rope in the way for Liverpool with, with that particular deal. But certainly, you know, as a as a rough profile,
0: I think he's the sort of defender in Liverpool when we're we'll looking at this summer. What I find is interesting about the transfer window. And I think fans always forget this when you go into it. They think Liverpool need X, Y and Z. So just go out and buy them. But there are a lot of moving parts on it. What you know, you look at Mount now and like you, Kiefer, I, I sort of thought two thirds of the way through last season, the rumblings where Mount would probably end up at Liverpool um, but Man United still haven't got that deal over the line. They've, they seem to have agreed personal terms with Mal, but can't agree a fee with Chelsea. In the meantime, we've gone and swept in and, and bought McAllister. Chelsea might suddenly decide they want they'll take less for Colwell if they get. What they want for Mount, same with Conor Gallagher. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool revisit Gallagher. But well, they've got, I don't think Chelsea. But... Chelsea uh, got to just, sell players before yeah, the end of 15, this month. 15, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I think they insist that they don't, but I think they do. <laughs> Especially players pretty... like Mount, who represent pure profits. So yeah, so yeah, come through the yeah. academy. But you, you might start seeing things move. Is what my point in terms of Mount, If they get the sixty million they want, or seventy million for Mount, they might go. You know what? We'd accept twenty for Gallagher, or twenty for for Colewell. But if they if they don't get the what they want for mm-hmm. mounts, you might start yeah. seeing that to yeah, try and make that up. Yeah. And, and and that's what I think, you know, people people just think it's about the buying club when it's as much about the selling club. And it's it's almost like a housing market, isn't it? Once one yeah. the deal is done, then other deals start dropping into
1: place. Yeah. And and I think that that comes back to what we've been hearing for months really in terms of Liverpool spinning plates yeah. and, and seeing what's out there and yeah. what, what can be assessed because Let's face it they're not operating from a position of power. they have in, in recent years where they're coming into a a summer with a settled squad, a squad that's just one X amount and the pool of players capable of improving the team is yeah. quite shallow. Let's face it, Liverpool that has that, that well has deepened, hasn't it, because of the performances, because of the drop off, um because of the players leaving. So um I think that's why it's it's an interesting summer for Liverpool, just because you can't you can't just discount any links you see now you know we're a little bit of a trained eye in the past you could think probably not through that one we will do our due diligence and check it out and whatever else but now you see Liverpool linked to players and you think could be something in that you know we'll have to yeah, yeah. get to work and, and see what's what to but that's why I think it's from a su- supposer's point of view it's probably a uh, m- most exciting yeah. that it's been for a few years
2: I think also sorry just to, to go on Ghost's go go point there I, I think Liverpool you know, maybe in previous summers where they, they you know, could have maybe bided the time and waited yeah. a bit and thought, you know what, we'll, we'll clamp it out and then yeah. kind of see if Chelsea's stance change. I just think there's, you know, we hear a lot about kind of last season and how the preseason unfolded yeah. and how Klopp yeah. wasn't happy with it. I think there's a real emphasis on the report to kind of be, you know, they have to be swift with their business this year because they have to, yeah. you know, not that they're all going to be there for, for, the, for the 8th of July in the days is because, you know, if they were to get to Ram, I think he's involved with the, the 21s, Euro, so he'd probably be there a bit yeah. later anyway. But, I just think, you know, in terms of doing, you know, if you look at 2017, obviously, Chamberlain coming in at the end of August, I don't think Liverpool, you know, unless something truly remarkable kind of presented itself so late in the window, I'd be surprised if Liverpool, you know, just as kind of supporter looking in, I'd be surprised if we're business in, in August because, you know, as boss said, it's probably the most important window in, in six, seven years. Yeah. And it's, it's one where Liverpool you know if they went into the into the next season with the same squad where in previous years well you've got the squad to go again it's clearly not the case for, for the next season there were so many flaws last year that you know it's not a case of where they can go when well, we didn't get van Dijk or someone we can wait until January it's like right we have to look look at option B C D E F G you know until they get someone who's a, obviously an upgrade on, on kind of what they had
0: I, I think. Personally, yeah, just that any business they might be doing in August will be trying to get like a homegrown player yeah. across across the line. It's interesting you say about preseason. I always think it's funny with preseason, not happy with last year, but it's always like it's like when a boxer go, is going into a fight, and yeah, say, yeah, it's yeah. the best yeah. camp I've ever had, yeah. and then they yeah. lose and say, Actually, it was full of problems, I was I was in. was, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, like your trainer didn't turn up or whatever it was. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting that. Everything should fall into place this summer in terms of pre-season. They're going on one trip. It's not for too long. They've got, they got the training camp. There's not too many internationals. They've got the right players coming back. Yeah, There, there shouldn't be, in theory, those disruptions.
1: Well, I, I think there's an argument to be made that Klopp has put his foot down a little bit this summer. I don't no. think I don't think he does that as much as he, as he probably should. He'd certainly get away with it. But I think this for this summer, he's, yeah. he's thought, Lord, well, I, I might have more at last summer than, you know... We're hell bent on getting back to where we were and showing showing these teams that we're not a busted flush and whatever else. And I think the fact that they have rejigged things around has very much been on, on the manager's say so, which doesn't always happen really. But um, I just think maybe sometimes Flop doesn't realise how important he is. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah,
2: and they kind of first mentioned, I mean, in the early weeks of the season, he kind of didn't give that away but I think prior to the World Cup he'd, he'd said it that the you know the pre-season and kind of the way they did the yeah. trip to the to, yeah. the, to was obviously wasn't planned so whether yeah. Luke would come first second third or fourth that had been put yeah. out there but it wasn't like yeah. he's come yeah. out yeah. and I said well he finished fifth yeah. you know that was a, that was a huge mistake he kind of put his cards on the table kind of long beforehand
0: perhaps so I mean the other the other thing about this summer that you see that will make it different to many of the, the others is Jorg Smacker coming in. Mm. Um, he's officially taken over now from, from Julian Ward. I mean, I'm sure Liverpool will have been working on many deals in the background that he will then help facilitate, but he will also bring new contacts, of course, mm. new ideas. Um, so we might start seeing new names and, and different deals coming into play, might we?
1: Yeah, I think we've already seen that, haven't we, with uh, the, the Mickey van der Ven links but yeah. before it even started? Someone someone was, was telling me recently that. Um, it's gone into silly season very early for Liverpool, yeah. you know, with George Schmacker behind the scenes. You know, he was 12 hours into the job and Liverpool were being linked with player XP,
0: player one, two, and three. And it reminds me of when the took over. And we... Yeah, yeah. Um, in, Gehrter, Gehrter, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but of course, one or two of them were true, weren't they? Because with Goethe, for example, he did mm. genuinely try and go out and buy him. So it, they will use contacts that they have. Yeah, they have to, don't
1: they? Yeah, I mean, this whole George Schmackett appointment is just so intriguing for me because you've coaxed him out of retirement, 59 years old, biggest job of his career, only a short-term deal. He's either the one that they absolutely wanted above anyone else or he was bottom of the list because they've had to get him out of retirement. Can't really be in between that. I just can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. apparently recommended by Klopp's agent, wasn't he, Mark? because uh, she cause I can never say his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah Klopp's agent anyway. Um but well, he's got a little bit of a reputation as a, a no nonsense um you know, gets the job done. So it's good it's gonna be fascinating to see how it works out. Obviously the, the deal for McAllister was was well underway before Schmacker showed up and we were told we, that the Simon and McAllister was almost a kind of formal handover and now everything else is is schmacker based so um yeah I I can see why Liverpool are going to be linked to players from the Bundesliga because that's obviously his area of of speciality
0: yeah Um, one one position that we know they're looking at as well um Kiefer's left centre-back um I mean we'll come on to other areas of defence but but just initially uh, it does make sense when you think about it but I suppose it wasn't the position I thought that they would be looking straight after this summer.
2: no it's a, it's a difficult one isn't it because obviously you've got Van Dyke there now who you know for essentially all of his Liverpool career has been, yeah. you know means mm-hmm. criticism indispensable yeah. and obviously we maybe saw that that you know last season you know he had a bit of a drop and I'm sure he would have been the first person to admit that his standards weren't as yeah. you know as the rest of the Liverpool teams weren't up to kind of his previous years but you know I still think you know he's Liverpool's best defender, and I don't think that's changed overnight. You don't become a you know a bad, bad player yeah. overnight, and I think you know had and not to shift blame in any any fact, but I don't think it's surprising that you know the midfield, you know, Fabinho and kind of have his legs kind of deteriorated yeah. so quickly, and you know it's no surprise that the defenders playing behind them are facing more shots, you know, yeah, yeah. more attacks on them, and and so on and so forth. So I, I think in in that sense, it it. it I suppose obviously a long-term planning obviously makes sense, but you, you know, as you, when you look at Van Dijk, he's one of those players you you know you wouldn't think at the age of 34, 33, like a, a Ferdinand who's going to be off to you know a QPR or somewhere yeah. like that. You, you do feel that it's a different generation. Yeah. He probably can play for you know probably another four or five years. Whether that's all at Liverpool, we'll, we'll see. But I, I maybe thought they, they might go for a right-sided centre half just yeah. because obviously that's the kind of the, the new kind of. The new tactic, obviously, we know Penate's there, but his kind of injury record, you know, it, it kind of puts that whole tactic into doubt. Because you know, if you have to put Joe Gomez in there or you have to put Joe Matip in there, would that that plan yeah. be executed as efficiently or as you know as likewise as it has been doing? And you you probably say no, just because Penate's skill set, he does feel like he's, he's one in a million in terms of his reading of the game, his athleticism, you know, his aggression.
0: You have to be dominant. There, yeah, yeah. To... And, and and whilst I think Matip and Gomez been good partners at various times for, for um van dyke it feels like if they're going to shift you right back into midfield you need that that player that comes in yeah. to be a presence and, it kind I, of is, isn't and I think
2: as well the, the thing I've, I've always thought with with massive and gomez i'm not you know i'm not sure statistically but how many times they've played together but i always felt they were never leaders in their partnerships yeah.
1: they need they need the one players, yeah so I, I mean
2: yeah. gomez and van dyke what nineteen, twenty, you know, how they were in that kind of league title running and even before, you know, in 2018, 19 before Gomez did his, his leg his leg at Burnley, you know, they were both brilliant, yeah. weren't they? And then Matip comes on they, and they've been yeah. in the Champions League in the second half of that season. But, you know, to kind of be in that position where you are going to be pulling Trent in and out and telling him to go and kind of dominating two positions, commanding those spaces, I just think you've got to be vocal, you've got to be a lead, you've got to be you've got to be an animal and, and that's yeah. what Canati is. Yeah. Um, I just don't think, you know, Gomez is you know, as, as much as I think he has been so unlucky with injuries, and I still think there's a you know a really talented player in there. With you know, with, I say the word potentially. He's 25 now, but obviously he's got a new contract last year. The club still will do believe in him. And you know, if we're talking about homegrown and players who play yeah. multiple positions. He absolutely ticks us, ticks the boxes. Yeah, um, he's not someone I'd be looking to to kind of get rid of or or anything like that. But um, I I just maybe thought there might be someone who who would come in as a right sided centre half with maybe a similar profile to Canate where. In his first season where he didn't play an awful lot in the Premier League, did he? He was more kind of yeah. the Champions League defender. And then, you know, he kind of got towards yeah. the end of that quadruple chase, he kind of got, you know, pushed yeah. in. i and, and maybe I thought that's maybe what they might try and do this summer on, on the right hand side. But you know, if if the left hand side talk is kind of all true, um, you know, then obviously it must be, you know, looking for when Landpike's best days are probably behind him. I,
1: I think it hints at maybe a bit of a formation change as well. Obviously, we saw Andy Robertson there than me for the last two yeah. months of the season. Um I mean, still officially a back four, but obviously seeing the area's strength, picking up the ball, it's, it's gone to the three. Is there an argument that left-sided centre-back comes in, Robertson comes out the team for a bit, and then they'll play with the back three of Canale, Van Dyke like in the middle,
0: and any whether left-sided centre-back is. Um, it's interesting, so you buy a centre-half that can kind of, bit of a full-back center which yeah. Caldwell is, isn't it? Mm. Um, full-back centre-half on the left-hand side that shuffles across when you know you you push Trent
1: yeah and it kind of goes back to the um the Joe Gomez likeness as well in terms of obviously you can play on the right starting and and then Mm -hmm. right center someone who plays left left center of that age someone who's not going to completely break the bank but someone who's going to be a long-term addition project um maybe not playing every week but certainly coming in alongside more experienced campaigners like Van Dyke and And can I say and go
0: from there? I mean, the other thing it suggests, Gorsley, that something we've, we've criticised Liverpool for in the last couple of windows is that they are very early, perhaps, but starting to succession plan
1: mm. for Van
0: Dijk, which is arguably, I mean, perhaps other than goalkeeper they're lucky to have a very good second choice goalkeeper by those things. But but in, in terms of the rest of the team, it might be the hardest position that they're eventually going to have to replace, isn't it, Van Dijk? Yeah.
1: I, I mean... I don't know what you're going about, replacing Bersin-Mann. he's... At his best, he was the best defender in the world, wasn't he? You know, how many times Liverpool had the best player in the world in in their position, you know, for only one over the years? Probably not not very often, is it? He was undoubtedly the best centre-back in the world, and I still think he he, he can get back to those levels as well. So, it's going to be be the hardest job replacing him eventually, but... um, I suppose if you're looking at it a bit proactively, you can get someone in who's younger and who's got years on the side to pick up everything that Van Dyke can, can pass on to him. And then in the X number of years of time, he can try and fill the void.
2: It yeah. goes back to, to kind of the, the, the thing I said at the top about Elliot in in terms of, you know, if you bring someone in who's nineteen, twenty you Can mold them yeah. now and you can, you know, give them five and ten games here. But yeah. you know, if, if you bring in someone in, you know, who's 19, one van you know, dawn, and you know, yeah. maybe moved on, and you're saying, right, go play 45 games a season, it's like, well, how do you even begin to learn and, and develop and yeah. you know, become a better player? the now.
1: reason he's still the most effective player, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, five years on. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: In terms of right back, Kiva, you've got different names written down on your <laughs> pad there. I mean, first of all, it suggests that, you know, we've Klopp said for a long time that he saw Trent as the best full back in the world. I think if they're not going out and buying a right back, it sort of suggests that that's what Klopp still thinks and hasn't changed his mind. Uh, but and the other thing I think to remember all Trent is touch wood. I don't think this is wood, but. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. It's, yeah. Um, there's that Trent is very, very rarely injured, isn't he? So I suppose Liverpool might look at it and think, well. Is there any point in spending big a right back? I mean, they just sold Nico Williams last summer because he barely ever played. Um, you know, perhaps Liverpool's mind no, no point to spending a lot of money in a position that they won't play. And they did buy um, Calvin Ramsey last summer. So what? where do you think that will shape up? Will Ramsey go on loan? If it does, yeah, who, who do you think? Maybe it's Benjamin Pavard over the weekend, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It. But that, I find it hard to believe. I mean, I, I know he's a... He's a good player.
2: 27, which good... is a red flag yeah. for me immediately. Yeah. And, exactly. a, and a, red, a red flag also is, you know, by a Munich team trying to get back to the top. And if yeah. they're happy to kind of part yeah. with someone like yeah. that, we ask, always ask questions once, yeah. you know. Um, but in, in terms of, of Trent and kind of the wider discussion, I mean, obviously, we, we know what the story of his season was. Um, and I think a lot of people maybe initially thought Liverpool would go out and, and buy a full back, um, you know, a right back. But my kind of thing was even, you know, in those kind of early games, the Arsenal game, the Leeds game, and I think I can't remember which which game it was, but when Gary Neville kind of did like a big breakdown of it, and he and he said, you know, don't, don't. Um, I think he it was along the lines, but it, it'd almost be insulting to think that Trent is good enough to go into midfield, and you know all these players who have been yeah. there for you know 10, 15 years. Yeah. And and while obviously Trent was a was a, mid- a centre midfielder in, in his youth days, I'm I'm one of them. I, I think he's. I think if he did move into midfield it would make his job a lot harder yeah, and I think you know at the minute he's almost like I mean how I would look at it as like an opposition manager or whatnot. player players like where do you even begin to mark him you know yeah. how do you pass him on um you know when he's kind of running into those channels and, and you know coming into the pitch that's when he's at his most dangerous But yeah if he's receiving the ball that's back to go and he's got to pop it off and you know he's got two defenders on his toes it's like is he going to be as effective? But he's got that athleticism to run up and down the channel that needs to be. He can do the overlaps with Salah. I mean, if you think of his, his kind of Liverpool career over the last four or five years, he's literally done you know three different generations of the fullback role. He's done the you know the the, the kind of more you know when he first kind of came into the into the team. Yeah. I remember his debut at Old Trafford, and yeah. he was like very you know defensively minded and people probably don't remember that and then I think a year later in the Champions League at Anfield when Sarne came it was that Centurion season He he was unbelievable in in both of those legs and then obviously you saw him develop into more of a playmaker and and, you know a phenomenal player for Liverpool and then last season sorry that during that time he was obviously more overlapping with Salah then last season as in 21 22 he started going more infield and now he's he's kind of gone into this John Stones kind of escrow and I, I just think. You know if you were to kind of lose that freedom with him i just think it would take an awful lot out of kind of his game because he has got that free reign to do anything and you know you see it so many times as you know when i know it's on a different side of the picture once Thiago picks up the ball and he's got you know little options or a little space of runner and it has to go back and yeah. i just don't think that's Trent's game while he's while he's brilliant at passing and doing all that you know running onto the ball and you know in, in those kind of beckham-esque areas of yeah. crossing in those kind of half spaces he's you know, probably only De Bruyne is better at him in world football. So, yeah. I, you know, whilst people would have probably expected a right back, I'm, I'm quite, quite happy with the options that the have got. Obviously, Ramsey didn't have his best season. Um, you know, I think he only played two, two games or so. But Growing pains, wasn't yeah, it? Really I mean, of, yeah, I you look at Simakas in terms of when he came in last year and... Obviously as Liverpool were on the verge of the quadruple platform was like, know, yeah, this is brilliant. Liverpool got yeah. an enormous life a light. But in yeah. his first season, I think he played that League Cup game like, against Arsenal was his early start. Didn't start. I think Robertson did all twenty uh, thirty-eight Premier League games. Um and then the next season he kicked on. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason, yes, Ramsey might go on loan, but there's no reason why you can't, you yeah. know, go on and become, you know, a second choice a second choice fullback.
0: So Liverpool only in theory, in theory needs someone for I don't know, Europa League, in the, in the games months, league, yeah. league cup, and, and then FA Cup certainly, and, and I mean yeah. early rounds and pretty much all all of them. They don't need, and then you know handful of Premier League games at most, don't they?
1: Yeah, just just going back to the points on strength You know, I think Liverpool fans are going to ask themselves what what do they want of yeah. this player? Yeah, so he's, he's playing two positions at the moment. You know, you can't you can't have him doing both to an to an extraordinary world class standard, so. And Liverpool do see a chance or a goal from that right side.
0: There's
1: got to be a little bit of a tempered criticism about it because you can't, you know, what do you want them to be doing? Do you want them to be a steady idea full-back who throws in aggressive tackles, concedes throw-ins, concedes corners, gets the ball up the pitch and away from danger? Or do you want this all-encompassing, creative fulcrum who's going to be getting 15, 20 assists a season and be one of the best players in Europe? I think Liverpool fans have probably got to have a conversation with themselves as to what they want from, from this player for but what are coming up to now, you know, theoretically the best years of his
0: career, because he's still only 24, isn't he? I mean, there's been a lot of hot takes on Trent last season, and, and I think we're all guilty of it. You know, fans, pundits, media, everyone, you know, we talk a lot about his position. But I think, first of all, you're right, people forget what fullbacks are. I mean, this idea that fullbacks don't have the ball taken past them is like, it's the most ridiculous notion I, I've ever heard. You know, you watch Trent... Is an elite player, and you watch some of the players in the Premier League. I'm watching Leicester, Everton, and I, and I know you could argue they're very poor teams in terms of the Premier League, and they, and they were one of them went down, the other one almost went down. But you watch them, and the fullbacks, honestly, I think Everton had Patterson playing for them at that point. and Considering they paid 15 million for him, he came in as a bright young fullback. He had the ball taken past him almost every time Leicester went in the attack. And this idea that the Trent should be just defensively, really solid, really great going forward. I just think people need to, to, to sort of you know, temper their it's such, a,
2: it's such an English thing, though, because yeah. he is this, you know, he's just a freak of a player, a freak of nature in terms of, you know, no one's ever done what he's done. You know, yeah, you can talk about maybe John Stone, maybe we've been into that role first, but in terms of fullback, you know, there's never been an another one like him. So it's like, where do we bring him down? Where yeah. do we bring him down to reality? And, and that's the thing of, we, we start to nitpick. and. You know, it's also a social a social media age of where everything you do gets gets mm. clipped and amplified, yeah. and, and that's and I, and I think that kind of discourse is external to kind of what local fans think. I think if you ask,
1: yeah, I, th- I think also as well a lot of teams spec players now are wide forwards, yeah. So yeah. the fullbacks happen to come up against you know the, the best players on the opposition team every week.
2: And as as Gorsi just said, then the lads play in two positions. Yeah. If you know if any managers you know earning their book, they're going to say you know this lad's going to be you know five or ten yards worth forward, then the other left back. You know, you can have a 5 yard head start, and you know, let's go down the right hand or their left channel. Yeah. Which yeah.
0: I, th- I think the other point for me is one: Liverpool weren't very good last season, and and Trent was just a part of that. You know, and I, and I and I think I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool get the right people in midfield and start moving back to where they were. and Whether that the Trent experiment kind of comes to a quiet end because he just becomes. They just carry on going where where they were before. Mm. We had all these issues, you know. The season before last, we weren't talking about whether Trent should play in a different position or whether he was good enough. Him and Robertson were, were very good, you know. Like you just said, Simicass had a really good season, and that was because the rest of the team around him was, was working well. Um, and and I think if they get back, we'll see Trent get back. I think Trent's biggest problem at the moment is perhaps his body language, which yeah. I think at times last season let him down a bit. And I understood why he's a young lad who's getting a lot of. Unfair criticism, you know. I, I think Neville at times was pretty unfair on him. Um, you know, I, I think we should remember that Neville wasn't exactly he was he was a very he was a brilliant fullback, but you know, functional, functional, but he, you know, he wasn't he perhaps didn't didn't reach he, he wasn't as bad at Trent as Trent can be at times defensively, but he wasn't anywhere near mm. as good as he could and be. Have been by Sean
2: Gozer, yeah, it's,
0: it's <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it happened to everyone. It just, I think Trent. His body language should try should improve, and I could understand the times, but I would like to see that improve next season. But yeah, I think Liverpool will improve. Trent gets. I think also it, as,
2: I as well, uh, you know, as you say, Joe, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised as well. Certainly, to the extent of as we saw in the last kind of ten games of the season, because the one thing Liverpool were missing in midfield was legs. Yeah, and if you are getting, you know, yeah. a McAllister twenty-four, you know, if you're getting good lads at good ages in midfield who can run around and do lots of that heavy yeah. lifting, you know, it, it all immediately takes the burden off Trent, yeah. you know, and it kind of gives him that freedom again of where you're probably not noticing him as much because he's not overlapping a Jordan Henderson or a, you know, a 32 year old Thiago or...
0: Henderson used to cover for him a yeah. lot, yeah, didn't he? A lot, mm. so... The
1: Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. All right,
0: um, moving on from from... Immediate Liverpool, said so someone in the past of Liverpool, Steven Gerrard, is in the headlines today um, for being linked with a move to Saudi Arabia. Um, it seems to be gathering momentum. In fact, you know, I don't know what's happened while we're in this pod, but um, a few people were saying just before we went in, um, we saw a few Twitter accounts um, saying that it was a pretty much done deal for him to go and manage over there. Um, Gorsi, fair to say, Seems a bit bit of a risk from Gerard to go and restart his career. There.
1: Yeah, but I mean you know, if, if it does turn out to be true and we've seen pictures of him supposedly in, in Saudi Arabia, I obviously he was in Istanbul on, on Saturday. Um it's been a really major shock, I think. Um just I don't really see why. Um I can see why wouldn't necessarily agree with it, but I can see why Cristiano Ronaldo's gone there or Kareem Benzema at the very end yeah. of their playing careers. But he's at the very beginning of his managerial career, hasn't yeah. he? And, and you're not going to build up any stock winning, throwing, or losing in Saudi Arabia. Let's that's, face that's no, no one cares. No one's bothered. Um, yeah. It's not a major league. It's not in the top 10 major leagues. Um, I just don't see why. I don't see the appeal, yeah. apart from maybe nipping over to. The, to Dubai when, you, when you're in Saudi Arabia on days off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, for me, I just don't get it at
0: all. Yeah, I mean, Keeper, I felt sorry for Gerald last season. Obviously, I think he took a thankless job at yeah. Aston Villa. And I, and I think that they are the sort of club, and we see this a lot in the Premier League, whose fans rightfully expect, expect someone to come in and be very good. But first of all, I think what was always held against them is that. For some weird reason, people seem to be so annoyed with Gerrard because he played for Liverpool and was loved by Liverpool. Mm. And and you know you see it don't yeah, every week fans come to Anfield and sing the Gerrard song, even though they had nothing to do with him and nothing to do with that title race or anything. So that that seems to be one that I think Aston Villa fans, for some weird reason, you tell me couldn't get over. And yeah, obviously it didn't go well there, but I mean they loved Dean Smith, but it went pretty badly there. Yeah. Dean Smith at the end, and Emery has done a. excellent job in the the second half of the season but it tailed away at the end and i honestly wouldn't be you know they probably clipped this but honestly wouldn't be surprised if we sit here in a year's time and emory's moved on and they're on to someone else because that that's what happens in the premier league all the time Mm -hmm. and if that doesn't happen then he's obviously done a good job but we see these clubs managers come and go i think with Gerard, i think he should maybe look back a real test of his would have to go go back to the championship perhaps yeah and take someone middling in the championship and see whether he could get them up and do more. But
2: yeah absolutely I, I mean when i when i kind of saw those images floating around this morning i th- i think the, the the one biggest thing was I'm probably a bit disappointed in the sense of it's, you know if if you know you might have other motivations to, to go there I'm, I'm you know i'm sure but for starters it feels like a, we haven't seen steven gerald as a manager because no. you know he obviously did the 18s in the at liverpool he did a year there and then he went up to rangers and, and even there that was one where not to the same extent of course said but you know there's people saying well if you win lose or draw in, in scotland no one cares but obviously to a far you know different extent as kind of what it will be inside Arabia. just it's
0: of that i i think the rangers job by the way is he did a better job than he gets credit for. Oh, I was yeah. about to say,
2: if you look at his record yeah. in europe you know to under the to the the uh, the core sorry the cause of the uh, yeah. Europa League didn't yeah. I think back to back seasons and you know some decent players up there and w- then won the
0: league won the league went on
2: beating I think the Bur- Bre- haven't won the league yeah like, people yeah. forget that they
0: don't, only they only
1: conceded about twelve goals or something yeah. and it, and
2: it seems to be that obviously when people oh God, just gerard kind of kind of leave Celtic and Rangers the fans are almost pretty toxic and to forget yeah. immediately of what they've done even yeah. because they view themselves as a bigger club than yeah, Aston Villa yeah, or Leicester. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Gerard was linked with, with Leicester, wasn't he, earlier this month? And I think that would, you know, maybe, obviously, a championship job. He may have not turned his nose up and maybe thought he was a bit better then, but I can understand why I would have had hesitations about going there, you know, kind of it's see toughly. how. He, yeah, yeah, you know, and just, you look at the amount of teams in there next season, it's not a, a walk in a park. Whereas, you know, I was speaking to one of my mates over the day to Burnley, and I texted him and said, like, it's, it's amazing that you got out first time because, you know, if you'd gone down this year, you'd probably finish you know seventh or eighth yeah. and that'll be viewed yeah. as a respectable season yeah. um but I do think with Leicester players obviously like Madison Barnes probably gonna go and you know Ian Acho and I know they've not not got the greatest finances post-Covid but it does feel like there's an opportunity to rebuild there and kind of you know almost bring like a new era because yeah. that Rogers era of like you know the FA Cup followed on from the, mm. the Premier League and had a few near misses in the Champions League that's fairly the lines we're drawn under that now and it feels like they need a new identity they probably lost themselves a bit last season yeah. and why didn't you go and do that
0: yeah
2: you know it just felt like he even if he'd done that and failed and you know hadn't gone to plan or you know he had, had problems off the pitch with with maybe um, kind of the finances is that Roger's kind of echoed at his time there. At least you're giving it a go, and then you can go. Well, you know, what, I'll go I'll go to Saudi Arabia. But the reality is, if, if Gerard does, you know, two, three, four, five, six years in Saudi Arabia, he's going to move back to England, and his stock's probably going to be worse. He could win every single game, and his stock will be the same at best. And that's the big thing. There's no progression there. And I think as a as a young manager who's taken ambition in going back to Liverpool, then leaving, you know, the comfort of Liverpool, um, I just think it's, it's quite disappointing. But as, you know on, on the flip side to that my only kind of reasoning to kind of make sense of a decision would be that this is someone who's lived in Liverpool mainly his whole life he didn't get to experience that that culture of, you know playing for a Real Madrid or an Inter Milan yeah. or something like that because he was so loyal to Liverpool maybe he just looked at and for you know what the, the money's obviously going to be good yeah, yeah. Um, you know a different lifestyle yeah fair enough that,
0: that's it I mean, I mean maybe. Maybe he's looked at some of the offers he's had. You know, you talk about Leicester there, but I, but I worry for Gerard. With, with I think unfairly, especially when you look at, you know, Lampard getting to go back to Chelsea. Like it's a bit of a, that was only a you know a, a temporary thing. And but you know he might look at it and think I did really well with Rangers. Um, That's good, struggled struggled with Aston Villa, but but the Rangers bit has been completely forgotten. And a Leicester or Leeds, who were linked with him. Perhaps didn't fancy that because of what they've seen at Villa, and maybe Mm -hmm. you're right. You know, going to a a mid-table Championship club is just viewed as too difficult, and not you know. When you put the money and the finances involved in Saudi Arabia, and and probably the ambition, you know, they probably are selling it to him as yeah, we're going to be the face of this league. Yeah, we're going to be 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 a big big thing. I think I think
1: career history only counts for you when when the most recent job you've done was a good one as a manager, because you know, had Gerard. Done a good job at Philly, like, you'd still be talking about that ranger stim. yeah oh, feel, Done an incredible job there. Now because you didn't do so well at Philly, like it's kind of just ignored.
0: Like, oh yeah. Yeah. We've seen with managers, haven't we, that they they can have bad stints some some places, you know, and I and I think you know Emory's you know, someone that, that has had bad stints but come back and done well in other places and and you know it, it's it, sometimes the it, things don't quite fit do they you know it's not you haven't quite got quite the right back backroom staff or the right club it doesn't you know the right fan base the right group of players so. and, and to
2: be fair to, to gerard he why he, he's well, he only at what 11 months at yeah. pillar wasn't he obviously of the post kind of greenish era yeah a lot of new signings and it kind of felt like he maybe got caught in that mid-drift Diego Carlos getting that injury in the next couple of weeks I I always remember that one is that he called out Mings the week before didn't he and then Carlos got the injury and and then he he had had to bring back Mings yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was quite awkward and you know he is obviously a tough taskmaster from of how it comes across in terms with his players and that, and yeah, you know, maybe you know, maybe he just thought it's not for me, the line, you know, of it all. He's obviously got his punditry gigs as well, and he maybe thought I'd like something more low key, which in which case, it's absolutely all, fair enough,
0: all yeah. power to him, you know, as the Sopranos obviously, you should never tell someone how to earn. So, um, yeah, I, the other thing I think for Gerald as well, I think he's at that stage of his career where he's still quite young in terms of his managerial career, and you know, I, I think he went and got someone like Coutinho who he'd played with, and obviously had seen in Liverpool training, brilliant player, you know, in terms of how he can play, but hasn't suited at Aston Villa has it, and he had a couple of flashes. He's probably stuck lot too long, did not he? But yeah, it, you know, and I think, as he gets older, as a manager, you can pull away from those sorts yeah. of things, can't you? So, we'll see how it turns out for him, but we wish him luck wherever he goes, and um, that's a lot for us, and um, we'll be back on Friday, to hopefully talk, maybe some, some more transfers, yeah, maybe yeah. some more concrete transfers, and, and yeah, everything else that's happening in the world of Liverpool. See you then, Thorough. You've been listening to
1: the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.